Hello there and welcome to another instalment of Wrongways Columbia Cast with me, Brendan Wrongway Corrigan. Now the quarantine measures in place here in Colombia and across the globe are affecting people in different ways. For example, some are still able to work from home, earn as they did before and have relatively ample space to hermit away, while others are unable to work, struggling to make ends meet and are going through the lockdown in cramped accommodation. The more privileged amongst us may be taking the time to try and increase our personal productivity, be that reading or studying more, trying out novel exercise programs at home, learning a new skill or becoming more acquainted with the kitchen. Indeed, food, as it often is, can be a great comfort in these uncertain times. Of course, it's important to do a privilege check here. I am aware that for some, getting any food at any time is a godsend, especially uh, here in Colombia and other such countries. Nonetheless, millions of Muslims around the world right now, in line with their religious practice, are doing without food for Ramadan. One of those doing just that is Adila Chianas, second secretary at the Indonesian embassy here in Bogota. Adila, welcome to Rangways Columbia Cast. Well, thank you very much. Hi, Brendan. How are you? Great, great to hear your voice again. And it's a thank chirpy voice. You. Love to hear it. But um, in one sense, just talking about the, the quarantine and lockdown during Ramadan, I would have thought it makes kind of fasting easier because you can't do much anyway. So how different is this Ramadan compared to, to other Ramadans? Okay. Uh, it is easier because you don't have this difficulties of, you know, having to work and go out and travel and be stuck in traffic but the difficulties is that ramadan for a lot of muslims is is the chance not only to observe the fasting and and do as much good but it's also to be with fellow muslims and share the experience of fasting and then going to the mosque together and then breaking the fast together and performing what we call a tarawi prayer which is uh, it's around 7 p.m we did that prayer together so it's difficult in the sense that we don't get to experience this incredible thing that we that we can only experience in Ramadan. We don't get to break our fast together. We don't get to talk with fellow Muslims who have been observing the fast. And we don't get to perform the Tarawi prayer together. I mean, we can do it alone. But the beauty of it is being together and doing it together in, in the mosques. And you don't get to do that this okay. year. Uh, now, excuse my ignorance uh, for this, because mm -hmm. I'm not too well up on it, as you can probably understand. Mm -hmm. But I mean, breaking the fast is part of it as well, because I I'm thinking of something similar from, from my Catholic background, uh, <laughs> Lent, before, <laughs> before Easter, where you have 40 days, uh, equivalent to the 40 days that Jesus uh, allegedly spent mm -hmm. in the desert. Mm -hmm. And to break the fast, then I, I remember when I was younger, maybe on a Sunday, you, you'd be, if you were off chocolate, for example, you, you could maybe sneak in a chocolate on a Sunday or something something so breaking the fast is is seen as okay in ramadan yeah yeah you have to break the fast because fasting starts before the sun uh rises right ah, okay so with the praying times in colombia usually we started fasting at 4 30 in the morning 4 30 a.m and then we break the fast once the sun is set which is around 6 10 p.m in Colombia time. So that's when you break the fast. And it's a for me personally, it's a it's a really great tradition to break the fast with your friends because I don't know, it's it's that sense of camaraderie, you know, having doing the fast for the whole day at work and then okay, great, now the sun sets, we get to break our fast, and then we perform the Tarawi prayer and it's it's pretty it's such a bummer that we don't get to experience that. Yeah, and uh, well, I, and and look at as I said, we always have to maybe have a a privilege check on this. That there, are, yeah, <laughs> there are other people in in far worse positions, I guess, going right. through this. But is everybody at the Indonesian embassy? They're all they're all Muslims practicing this. No, is no, that no, correct? no, 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 no. Uh, some of our colleagues are either Catholics or Protestant. Yeah, so yeah, Protestants. Not, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So not everyone is observing Ramadan. Just some of them. And in previous years, though, then who did you meet up with? Was it other, other Muslims outside of the embassy or, or friends from the embassy? Who did you meet up with here? Because needless to say, are people who may not be aware, mm -hmm. there aren't too many at least visi visible Muslims uh, here in Bogota. It's still pretty homogenous in terms yes. of uh, Catholic a, a Christian. There's a lot of Colombian Muslims that I know. I uh, Personally, I just, I, kn I know like three 
Colombian Muslims, but I'm pretty sure there's a lot of foreigners also because there is a Turkish embassy here. There's the United Arab Emirates embassy here. And I understand that the majority of them are Muslim. So they also obviously is observing Ramadan this year. But the past few years, I, I've only been observing it with friends from work. So they would be patiently waiting for me to break the fast. Then we'll have dinner together. So that's why I said, okay. yeah. And uh, there is a mosque here in Bogota. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the biggest one that I know is called the Abu Bakar Mesquita. And there is also another one, which is a Turkish mosque. Uh, not as big as the Mesquita, but a lot of people goes there too, as far as, as far as I know. Because was it your plan to get to the mosque this year that other yeah. years you didn't go? But the, yeah, so, so this year you were thinking of going, yes, because, but now you can well, go on. Yeah. I've, I've been in Colombia for three years, so I've had three years of experience observing the Ramadan. The first year, I wasn't really comfortable or confident enough to go out on my own and to go to the mosque and make new friends. So I didn't do that on my first year. The second year, unfortunately, there's a lot of work. So I did have the privilege to go to the mosque too. So because this was my last year in Colombia, I thought that, you know, I'm not going to be too busy. I'm going to make some time to go to the mosque and make friends and, you know, try to have the experience of observing Ramadan in another country. But then, unfortunately, COVID happened. So I hadn't had the chance yet. That's, that's, that's a bit of a bummer, too, for me personally. Yeah, and by all accounts, uh, am, am I right in saying it, it ends on the, the 23rd of May? Is that is that? It depends because there's this thing because the the Muslim calendar is based on the moon. So oh, okay. it, it would be either the 23rd or the 24th of May, depending on, on the decision. But yes, it's it's around that day. But there's going to be no chance you can really get to the mosque because exactly. even if, yeah, <laughs> yeah because, because here the quarantine's in place until the 25th exactly. at least. But then, yeah. No, because the thing is, I've, I've, I was born and raised in Indonesia. So all my life I've been observing Ramadan in, in Indonesia. And I did had a chance to observe the Ramadan in another country, which is in South Korea during the summer. So we were fasting from three, three in the morning and we have to break the fast at around 9 p.m. So that was horrible. But it's interesting wow. because it was in the summer. If had 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 it been in the winter, it would have been shorter. But it was in the summer when I had my Ramadan in South Korea. So I was kind of expecting that I would have a different experience here in Colombia. But maybe the COVID would be part of the experience, I assume. Yeah, well, no, nobody knew that yeah, this was coming, exactly. I guess. Um, it's interesting, though, that it's based on, on sunrise and sunset. So here in Colombia and, and around the equator, it's always always the exactly. same, really, because, yeah, more or less 12 hours. So everyone, uh, a lot of my friends who are, you know, who, who are currently living abroad, too, especially in countries where currently is summer, they have to fast for much longer time than I do. Whereas I more or less had to perform the fast just the same as if, if I were in Jakarta. So, again, let's yeah, check. So, I'm pretty privileged then. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. I mean, if, if you were really against fasting, then the, the, the smart move would be go, go somewhere where there is uh, less... Um, is it sun, sunshine? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sunshine or... Sun, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so people, it's interesting because I've had observe Ramadan during the winter but I was still a very young kid back then and it was easy because you start your fasting at around 7 a.m and then at 4 p.m you've already break your fast because it's winter so the sun sets quicker but then I had yeah. another chance to do that in South Korea during the summer in August of 2015 and that was horrible and a lot of my friends are still struggling with that especially friends that are living in Scandinavian countries so yeah, <laughs> it must be tough around there. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, because it's it's always around this time of year. No. I know it changes. No, you it said. changes. No, like no? I said, um, the Muslim ca calendar is is based on the. I I don't really know the technicalities of it, but basically the Muslim the Islam calendar is it's it depends on the movement of the moon. So that's why the Ramadan changes each year is so last year ramadan falls on it starts on may and then it ended in june and then this year we started on april and then we ended it in may and then probably next year we would start it in early april and 
finished it in early May, so it changes every year. Yeah, of course. Yeah, silly. I realize how silly my question was. So it could actually be in November, depending yeah, exactly. on how, how it so goes as well. It yeah. depends. If, 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 like I said, when I was in the UK doing the winter, it was nice because Ramadan falls around October, I think that was at that time. But then South Korea, it was the height of the summer, August. I, I remember that very clearly. And then there was the heat wave. It was horrible. But it's, again, an, it's, it's an experience. Just about your time here now in Colombia, you said you're in your third yeah. year and, and your final yes. year, uh, I believe. Yeah. Uh, how, how has it been, though? I mean, number one, what are the connections between Indonesia and Colombia? I, I wouldn't have thought that there were many, but the embassy's been here quite a yes, while. Yes. Uh, well, actually, speaking of that, this year would be the 40th year uh, of diplomatic relations between Indonesia and Colombia, but the embassy itself, we just started opening the embassy, I think, in 1989. So we've been here okay. for quite some time, and um, we are the only Southeast Asian countries that has their mission in Colombia. So we don't have other Southeast Asian countries' embassies here in Colombia. No? Nope. Malaysia? No. Malaysia is no. not Malaysia? here? No. I think the Malaysian embassy that covers Colombia is based in either Ecuador or Peru. I think Peru. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so what kind of ties are there then between Indonesia and Colombia? And what, what are the kind of mutual areas of, of interest? Uh, obviously, agriculture, because like you said, being the countries in the Ecuador, a lot of the climate are the same. So there's a lot of interest in, in, in cooperating in agriculture, especially putting into account that Colombia is the biggest palm oil producer here in South America, right? And um, mm -hmm. Indonesia is one of the biggest palm oil producing countries together with Malaysia. So that's that's one of the areas of interest between the two countries. That, that's a, a controversial one for some people, isn't it? Pa yes, palm yes. oil, yeah. So it kind of wrecks the, I, the I always try not to talk about that because it gets very controversial at times, depending on who you are talking to. Yeah, I mean, there are some people who are very much uh, against it and then other people who yeah. just see it as another business that yeah, can be used yeah. to, to better society as a whole. I guess it's yeah. like anything. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of controversy in it. Um, but in terms of your own personal experiences here, then, how, how have you found Colombia? Will you be sad to leave it? Because you just got word that you're... You have to leave in July if, if you're yes. allowed to leave at that, if, if yes. the restrictions Assuming be that lifted. There's, mm -hmm. there's a plane going out of Colombia, I would have to leave by the end of July. So the thing is... The diplomatic answer now. <laughs> no, 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 no. This, this, this is the truth. It's a bittersweet thing. Uh, for me personally, don't take this the wrong way, but it has not been the greatest of experience for me here in Colombia. But... At the same time, I have to say that I am very grateful that of all the countries in the world, Colombia was my first mission abroad. I've only been in the in the ministry for 10 years, and this is my first task abroad. Okay. So it's a bittersweet thing. I think the experience isn't particularly fond. I'm not particularly fond of my experience here because of the lack of my Spanish and the fact that not a lot of people are speaking English here in Colombia. So I didn't really like that. And the fact, I, I don't know, I find it baffling that obviously I don't look Colombian being from Asia. It baffles me that anytime I walk down the street, Colombians would looked at me like I'm like I'm this weird creature, like I have a three head or something. And especially when I start speaking in languages that are obviously not Spanish, either I would be speaking in my mother tongue or I would be speaking in English. They would be full on staring. OK. And did you, you find that kind of uncomfortable, obviously? Yes, and 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 having random people point at your face on 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 the street and says like, "Chino, Chino, Chino," which is you know they're they're assuming that I'm from China. Well, nothing against be the Chinese. It's just that you don't go around pointing your fingers to 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 foreigner and, and assume where they're from when you don't even know them and 
And it's actually what I've I've gone through every single day that I'm out and about in Bogota. Would so, I be overstating it to say kind of mild racism? Is that how you you would have felt it? I would assume so. This is one experience. Um, I I had to go to a car mechanic mm-hmm. to pick up my car, and with my very very broken Spanish, I was asking the lady where could I uh, meet the person in charge so that I can collect my car. And she said, okay, do you have the name of the mechanic? And I said, oh, yeah, this is his name. I said, okay, I'm going to call the mechanic. You just wait here. I said, okay, cool, thanks. And then she, I think she was trying to make small talks with me. And she said, oh, are you from China in Spanish? And I said, oh, no, 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 I'm, I'm not from China. And I said, are you from Japan? I was like, no, no, I'm, I'm not from Japan. Are you from South Korea? Basically, all the slanted ice countries. Yeah. And I said, no, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm actually from Indonesia. It's it's close to Singapore. It's close to Malaysia. It's close to Australia. I was giving this hints and information as best as I could. And then she said, oh, so you're not, you're not Chinese because, and then she started to pinch her eyes all right yeah and then because you have this kind of eyes and i was like i remember during the world cup uh was it last year no no 2018 right Mm -hmm. yes i remember during the world cup uh there was this incident of the mexican supporters were you know pinching their eyes and so well they meant it as a support to the south korean football national team but People across the world perceive that as, as as a form of racism, and I would assume people here would know that it is a form of racism. But this woman was just casually doing that to her eyes and insists that you sure you're not from China. And I was like, I, I of all people, I would be the one who knows if I'm from China or not. So. Yeah, yeah, I think you'd have a fair idea where, where you were from, indeed. I mean, it, you were talking about the incident with the Mexican supporters. There was an incident yeah. as well with. Quadrado, I think, uh, uh, well, one of the Colombian players, I, I don't want to name the wrong the wrong one, but they were playing mm-hmm. a, a friendly game. I, I mm-hmm. think um, it was against South Korea, and mm-hmm. there was an incident again where one of them... Y- oh, yeah, that, yeah, 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 I remember that. Yeah, yeah. So that's the thing. I would assume that, you know, people would know not to do that. So, yeah, that's 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 difficult. <laughs> I uh, Not that I'm defending that, whatever, but sometimes I feel here that there's like... An ignorance, and it's kind of, this sounds like a a contradiction in terms, but harmless racism in a sense that they don't even realize that what they're Hmm. doing is kind of, yeah. You know, talking with that lady, I I noticed that she she wasn't being rude or anything. She was just trying to make a small talk, but... Yeah, that, that 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 I would think is a bit racist. But then again, that was my I, I've been in Colombia for two and a half years at that point, And I was like, you know what, I don't I don't take it to offense anymore. I just laugh it off. But yeah, that's yeah. my experience. Yeah, exactly. And I got, uh, of course, if the shoe was put on the other uh, foot as well, in, in terms of if Colombians were abroad yeah. and they were yeah stereotypes or whatever, they're quick mm. to yeah, they're quick to shout out about it as as they should as well. So I think they just have to realize that at, at some at some stages that their their actions and what they're what they're doing and what they're saying. Uh, so would I be right in saying then that you don't really have too many local friends here, too many Colombians as friends? No, that 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 would be that would be very very correct assumption. I don't okay. <laughs> have a lot of Colombian friends, mostly because I hate to sound like I'm a workaholic because I'm not. But we we work we finish technically theoretically we finish our work at five thirty p.m. But sometimes it gets a bit later than that. And once you finish your work a bit later, you're sort of like, do I really want to go out and have a drink and meet friends when I could when, you know, the traffic is is, is very bad here, more, more, more or less the same in Jakarta. So the option is, do I want to hang out and be stuck in traffic or do I want to just go straight home and, you know, eat food and take a nice shower before bedtime and go to bed early because I still have work tomorrow and you know, because you live alone, even though tomorrow is a Saturday, your agenda would be like, no, I'd rather go home early and then wake up early on Saturday so I could do my laundry and I could clean my house and, you know, those domestic yeah. stuff. 
No, I, I mean, I actually relate to that because, uh, well, I, I left my full-time job that I was quite tired with uh, anyway <laughs> at the end of January. But when I was in that full-time job working relatively long hours, and mm-hmm. yeah, during the weekend and also again on a Friday night as well, I just, I wouldn't have um, exactly. any yeah, enthusiasm to go out. I just want to exactly. get home. <laughs> exactly. So, and, I don't... And, and the, yeah. the, the, this, might, this might come off like it's a bad thing, but it's not. My observation is that Colombians are very, very extroverted people. You know, they like going out. They like, you know, going to parties. They like drinking. They like talking. They like to stay up late. And, oh, God, I don't think I can I can do that. So we're, we're like, getting sense in our old in our older age. I was going to say yeah. not that we're old, but as we as we as we age, we yeah, maturing. Which, yeah, which surprisingly, <laughs> even old people in Colombia, they're they're still all fired up every Friday night and I'm just like, no, I'm just going to go home and, and, and order some delivery or takeouts and just stay at home because I'm old. I don't know. Yeah, and uh, there's nothing nothing wrong at all with that, Adila. Uh, of course, you are also, it's not that you're on the lookout for a, a Mr. Columbian or anything like that. You, no. You're you're married, aren't you? Yes, yeah? I am married. And your, your, your partner is where? Okay, so the thing is, I think even though I don't get to experience the whole fasting in Colombia because of COVID, but this would be a, a, a personally, this would be a great experience for me in the future because my husband is currently in South Korea. So he's, he's experiencing the whole COVID thing because there was a time in early 2020 that South Korea was, you know, one of the epicenter of, mm-hmm. of coronavirus. Right. So yeah, yeah, he's there, and the 14-hour time difference is not really helping with our communication schedule. So, yeah, that's that's it's that's difficult, also yeah. in a way. Yeah, um, is is uh, your husband um, Indonesian as well? Yes, he's an Indonesian, and he works for the Ministry of Foreign Affairs too, and he is posted in South Korea. Okay, so you're you're all in the in the sim- similar jobs. Yes. So. Yeah, I, I can't let you go, though, uh, without talking about you, you just mentioned, alluded uh, to the traffic there, um, because when we met for the first time, it was one of the things you mentioned. You said the traffic in Bogota is worse than Jakarta. And I think when somebody from Jakarta says the traffic in Bogota is is bad, well, that says a lot, because I mentioned this to, I, to an Irish friend who lived in Indonesia and he was shaking his head saying, no, I don't agree with that. But I actually checked some uh, surveys and mm-hmm. the last couple of years Bogota has been in the top five of the yeah. worst traffic in the world however they measure it uh, different I ones of different it yeah they've different metrics or whatever and Jakarta has generally been in the top 10 but it's it is yeah but it's been seen as better than Bogota but you had a little rule where you said or you a little measure yeah. and for you it was worse here okay so the thing is I've always assumed that Jakarta is the worst. And one of the deciding factor that, you know what, I'm going to do this job. I'm I'm going to work for the Minister of Foreign Affairs. I want to live abroad because I want to, you know, get the experience of how different it is from where you born and raised, right? Yeah. And so I got here and I realized that, okay, traffic's pretty bad, but obviously Jakarta's worse because, you know, I was born and raised here. I'm, I'm used to the traffic. But then... Like I said, I've been here for three years, so there's a lot of comparison going on. I've compared how the traffic was when I first started living here in 2017 and how it is now in 2020. So this is how I measured. I'm not saying that the difference is very, very far. It's still bad. Both cities have really, really bad traffic. But this is how I I came to the conclusion that at this point in time, Bogota is worse. But I don't know in the future. Okay. So in 2017, okay, my apartment to from my apartment to the embassy is about six to seven kilometers, more or less, right? Mm-hmm. Back in 2017, if I drove my car from my apartment to the embassy, it would take me about 30 to 35 minutes, give or take, in the morning. And on my way yeah. back, it would be a lot more, about 40 to 50 minutes. That was in 2017. And that to me is already bad because when I was in Jakarta from my house to the ministry is also about six to seven kilometers. But in the morning when I go to work, it only takes me about 20 to 25 minutes. And 
back home, it would be 30 to 40 minutes. So that in itself is already bad. It's already worse here. But in 2019, okay. this, the, the time that I left apartment to my embassy is the same. I, I always leave my apartment at around 7.30 or 7.40. Always the mm-hmm. same since 2017. But in 2019, in the morning to go to work, it would take me about 40 to 45 minutes. And then going back, wow. it's about 50 to one hour to one hour, 20 minutes. So that's that's why I said, oh, God, the traffic is getting worse and worse. And I don't know. There's, I think the habit, I'm not saying Indonesian drivers have better habits. They don't. But there are certain habits that I notice from Colombian drivers that I don't experience back home. Is that It's good that they don't drive and, and, and talk on the phone at the same time. But there are occasions where I was driving behind this car and the the traffic light was green, but this car suddenly stopped. And I was like, what's going on? Did did the car have some mechanical problem yeah. or something? So thankfully, there was no car behind me. So I had to reverse my car so I can took the other road. As I mm-hmm. was driving past that car that suddenly stopped, he was just playing with his phone on the middle of the road. No other reason for oh. that. And that was not just rare occurrences. That's 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 actually I would experience a lot of them. Even even when I was lately, I don't use my car as often because of the traffic. So I've been biking to work. Even as I'm biking to work, I would see instances where other cars would just stop in the middle of the road and and just fumbling with their phones kind of that that individualistic yeah. behavior the, the only road user that's important is yeah do you know, do you know the the Onse road they have this one-way road because the other half was being used for the bicycle lane do you know that particular road yeah I in do front of andino yeah. right yeah. okay so the the one on the left there's only one lane right because the other lane is for the bicycle right yeah so i was biking my bike obviously and I noticed from the traffic light, I saw that there was a like sort of like a traffic jam on on just on the left side of the road on the left lane. And I was like, oh, that's got to suck if you took the left lane. You're you're stuck in this traffic. But it, it was weird to me because the right lane was going fine. No traffic. Everything was going smoothly. It's like, what's what's going on? As I was biking and biking, and biking, I saw that at the end of the road, there was a car stopping on the left lane, which is the only lane possible. There's no way you can, you know, escape that because the other lane is for the bicycle. And he was just chatting with his friend on the side of the road. Oblivious to everybody else. Yeah, exactly. Behind you was just honking and honking. And he was like, yeah, no, I'm I'm chatting with my friend, mate. And I was like, I'm so glad I'm on my bike today. Road rage incident there, uh, potentially, if if you are in your car, you'd be like, what the heck are you doing, man? Yeah, it's uh, thankfully, excuse me, thankfully, I don't drive uh, either here because I I probably would have a few road rage incidents if I did. I've seen enough of it from a distance. Exactly. Obviously, when you live in a big city, no matter where it is in a big metropolis, there are issues like that and stressful things. Thankfully, now with the with one of the positive upshoots of uh, coronavirus yeah. is that uh, the roads are much quieter these days as lots of people are working did, from home. Did, did you notice that after the quarantine is being imposed in Colombia since the 24th of May is that even at 10 in the morning, you can still hear, you know, you can still hear the birds chirping. It's not. Yeah, exactly. I, was, yeah. I, I woke up at seven. I think it was the first or the second week of the quarantine in Colombia. I woke up at seven and I was like, whoa, Birds are chirping. I, I, I've never experienced that. In, in, in the two and a half years at that point, I was in Bogota. I've never woke up at seven and heard these birds chirping. You have to wake up a bit earlier than that to, to be able to hear these birds chirping. But now, even at 10 a.m., you can still hear the birds chirping. It's, it's really nice. Yeah, no, it's been beautiful. Unfortunately, I've noticed though there's a little bit more traffic on the roads yeah. since some of the measures have I think been. Yeah, it started from the 27th of April when they start letting the manufacturer and the construction sectors to 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 open. Yeah. I noticed that because the day after that, I had to take a friend to the emergency, so I had to go out, and okay. I noticed 
not only that there are a lot more cars on the road, there's a lot more people walking at, on, the, on the sidewalk too. And Yeah, there's a little bit yeah. more movement. It's probably, if we say it was at the first few days of the quarantine, the city was operating maybe mm-hmm. around 20%. You could say it's maybe operating around yes. 50%, give or take, perhaps around now. But uh, outside of the Bogota bashing, uh, <laughs> um, did you did you travel around Colombia? Yes. Um, because for me, like when I get out of, when I get out of Bogota, that's where, where I'm in my element, mm-hmm. out in nature, the small little pueblos. So did you have like kind of yeah, positive experiences actually, traveling around? Uh, th- th- this is a running joke in the embassy. The majority of people in the embassy kept on saying, you know, had the embassy is not in Bogota, I would have enjoyed my experience in Colombia. People, that's, that's the running joke. People, they don't hate being in Colombia, but they hate being in Bogota because you know, it, it's not that much difference than being in Jakarta because of the traffic and everything. But personally, I I have a great time um, in Medellin. I genuinely like the city. It's it's such a beautiful city, and I don't want to sound rude because I'm not an expert, but I genuinely feel that people in Medellin are a lot more friendly than people in Bogota. And every time I met people from Medellin, they would say, yeah, of course, people from Bogota are stuck up. <laughs> but that's what they say. I don't say that. Yeah, I, I, well, I'm, not, I'm kind of a bit of a Bogota <laughs> fan in that regard. I've kind of become loyal to it. So, yeah, um, I might get into a fight <laughs> with you on that one. But... Um, but yeah, I, I, I've heard that. Obviously, a lot there. Are, there are those who are like 100% behind as mm-hmm. foreigners that live here. I'm saying those are that are 100% behind Medellin, and those that are kind. It's kind of like mm-hmm. the big divide, the yeah, two I, big I, cities. Yeah, and obviously, it, it was, the first time I was in Medellin. All the people in Medellin that I try to make small conversation with, with, with my very limited Spanish, and they would say, oh, do you live in Colombia? Yes. Oh, and in which part of Colombia do you live? And the moment, the moment I said I live in Bogota, their faces turned into like, oh, poor you. I'm like, what? Is it really that bad? But then I went to Cali and people in Cali were saying the same thing. And then I started to realize, oh, maybe there's this sort of like hidden battle thing between Bogota and the other countries but then I made a new friend in Bogota he's actually very young he's a university student and he's a proud Bogota person yeah Bogota and then I know yeah like, uh-huh. you know what? there's a lot of people in Medellin in Cali and other other cities who says Bogota are stuck up so I'm like oh, yeah I met a lot of those people so that's that's that's, that's interesting <laughs> even the people in Bogota notice that too and and they have this sense of pride in 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 defending their city so yeah that's interesting yeah, and I think from my own personal perspective, and many people mm-hmm. who've read my blog or whatever as well will, will well know that I, I tend to socialize more in the mm-hmm. barrios populares here. And, and I think there you find a more yeah. relaxed, kind of down-to-earth person. Maybe the the richer Bogotano, mm-hmm. the Gomelos and things like that. I'm, I'm not uh, <laughs> fans of those type of people. But um, yeah, in the, in the barrios populares, as I said, the more kind of down-to-earth folk, um, I've... I've Good friends there, so I will stick up for Bogota but here, Adila. The I thing will. is, when I went to Medellin and I, I went to Cali or other other part of the Colombia, I don't necessarily went to the fancy barrio. So maybe that's the reason why I don't necessarily enjoy Bogota because I haven't had the chance to go to other barrios in in in, in Bogota. But when I'm in other cities, that's where I go to. So I met the the more friendlier ones. Maybe. Okay, so you're saying, yeah, there, there's a tiny yeah. bit of hope there that maybe you just didn't find the the right spot in Bogota. <laughs> People in Bogota are, are, are nice. There, there's okay. There during the Copa America 2018 or 20, I, I forgot. I, I'm not really into football. I'm sorry. But during the Copa America, there was this match between Colombia and I don't know another country. So what happens then? The country sort of like went into halt because everyone has to watch the match. I had to go to a doctor. I uh-huh. couldn't get a taxi. I couldn't get an Uber. And I didn't have my car. I didn't have my bike. And my doctor is about five kilometers away. And I don't think I want to walk because it was raining at that time. So eventually I had to rent these patineta thing, this scooter thing. Do, oh, yeah. Do, do, you, do, you, do you ever use that? I, I really like those things. Okay. I've never used them, no. But I've seen them, of course. Okay. So that was... I, I decided to, you know what, maybe this is this is my chance to try the scooter. 
so, because I had to go to the doctor, but I couldn't get any taxi or Uber because everybody was watching the match. So after the rain stopped, I rent one of these electric scooter, but I wasn't really adapted at using the scooter and the road was a bit slippery because of the rain and there was an accident happening. I fell from the scooter and it was, it was a very tragic, tragic fall. I was rolling around on the, on, on the road. It was really embarrassing, but literally every single person that saw me fell from that scooter, saw me rolling on the road, every single one of them literally stopped and was like, helping me and and asking me do I need help do you need an ambulance do you need me to take you so the hospital was really really sweet I've I've never experienced that in my whole life living alone in different countries and it's essentially sweet and that was one of my good experience and I remember as opposed to feeling hurt because of the fall I was just embarrassed because literally everyone stopped everyone went down from they, they took off from their bike. They're like, are you okay? Are you okay? Do you need help? It's like, no, I don't want you to help me because I'm embarrassed right now. And, <laughs> but you see, there are redeeming features, <laughs> redeeming features for the yeah, city. Well, yeah. I, I'm not trying to be diplomatic, but it is a bittersweet thing okay. that I finally going back to Jakarta because I'm not very keen on, on the fact that people are mildly racist towards people that don't look Caucasian here. I'm not, ex- I'm not, I won't miss that for sure. <laughs> Obviously. I won't miss Yeah, I won't miss being point at because I don't look Caucasian. I also don't miss the fact that I struggle with communicating with people here because not a lot of people speak English. But I have to admit I'm going to miss the friendliness. People here they genuinely are very, very friendly and it's it's weird for me because I'm pretty much a I'm a bit of an introvert, so it kind of made me a bit anxious to walk down the street on my own and have literally random, incredible strangers stop by and said, how are you? And have a good day. And, oh, the weather's nice. It's, it's a really weird and baffling experience. But I think I'm going to miss that because okay. that's that's sweet. And what about then going going back home? Are there things that you might be nervous about or you're excited about it? Or how exactly are you feeling? I would assume I would be excited, but now I'm just nervous because uh, it's very difficult to get a plane ticket right now because not not a lot of options. And when there are options, it's very expensive. And then there's no cargo shipment going on right now, too. And I don't know what to do with all of my books here because I can't bring it on the plane. That would be very costly and very, very heavy. So... I think I'm I'm more on the nervous side of things, especially with the fact that um, it's a really long travel. It's halfway across the world, and you don't know what's going to happen as you are on the way to your final destination. So I'm I'm pretty nervous, but I'm excited and nervous and sad. Okay. Because I I made a couple of good friends here. Yeah, and well, it just seems that you're more nervous from a logistical side, but not maybe from <laughs> an, yeah, from an uh, an emotional side or anything. Uh, I guess you're kind of going to be happy going back. I I don't know. I um as someone who I have a very very bad anxiety, but also at the same time I've spent the past ten years of my life just moving from one country to another. So I know that this time is going to come that I can't be in one place for the rest of my life. I knew that my time is going to end and that I have to move somewhere else. So I think that doesn't really factor into the nervousness because I knew coming in that this wasn't going to be permanent, that I was going to move away again sometime or another. So, yeah. Well, I told myself that Adila when I when I first came here in uh, late 2011 that I'd only been mm-hmm. here for about a year, and <laughs> here I still am. So I don't know. Yeah, I, I need a job. <laughs> no, no, I was going to say I need a job in an embassy, though. Uh, that would be better because then I'd be forced to move. They'd move you no, on. But, but really, looking back, I remember when I first arrived. I first arrived in Colombia was that was in the fifth of August, 2017. I still remember the date. And I remember as I was looking, you know, at the roads and everything, I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to live here. 
am I going to survive this place? Oh my God. There's this really sense of, 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 of nervousness, afraid and everything, but you know, fast forward to what May of 2020. And I'm, I, I, I wouldn't say I'm like a local, but I'm at the point that I would, I, I once bike from the office to my apartment at 9 p.m. and I feel pretty relaxed about it. <laughs> Not even afraid yeah, so. I'm gonna get mugged or something. But yeah, so it's 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 great. And I genuinely I have to thank Colombia for for my newfound love of biking. Okay. I would not have known. Yeah, I would not have known that I liked biking had I not lived in Colombia. Uh, but why? It's not big in Jakarta to take take the bike it's, out it's now. It's big now. It's big now. Okay. It's very big now. But it wasn't it it wasn't something that I personally consider I wanted to try because I don't know. It's just biking. Why? Why? Why would you put yourself through that much pain? But you know, I I was going to work with my car and somebody stole my side view mirror, which really oh pisses me off. So that was the catalyst when I started to think maybe I should consider biking, you know. Biking, yeah. So I start biking and I, I hated it. I I hated it very much. But looking back, that was because I was stupid because I've never exercised in, 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 in so many years. And, you know, Bogota being very, very high up, we're like, what, 2,800 meters above sea level, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, 2,600 or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. More or less. So. Obviously, the oxygen is is a lot thinner than if you were in Jakarta, which is just eight meters above sea level. Obviously, I'm going to hate my first experience biking because I couldn't breathe. I had to stop every four minutes trying to get my breath. But afterwards, when when I start to get used to the environment and, and I know my limit, it's 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 literally the best experience. I would be stressed out at work. I would be filled with anger and frustration because of what I do. But when it's time to go home and I bike my, my bicycle and it feels like all my problems are washed away. And then I start to think, Oh, maybe this is why a lot of Colombians who, you know, use their bike, they're, they're a lot more friendlier because this is really, really stress relieving as opposed to being stuck in a car in a traffic jam. So, yeah, of course, and and the road rage that oh, comes along yeah. with it and all that kind of stuff. I was like, uh, by the way, yeah, I was gonna I was gonna pick you up on on a line that you said there. Maybe uh, Mayor Claudia Lopez can use it for her tourism slogan oh. for the city. Is that is that you managed to to cycle from the office to your house without getting mugged? And that, that would be a wonderful <laughs> slogan. Because the thing is, when 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 I when I first started um, biking, I was really afraid of I whenever whenever it's past 6 p.m. and I'm still at the office, I don't want to ride the bike. I'd be like, you know what? I'm just going to leave the bike at the office and then get a taxi. Yeah. But if I have a couple of colleagues who has their bike also, it, it's fine. We can we can bike together. But if I have to bike by myself, I'd be like, no, I'm going to leave my bike and then I'm going to take a taxi. But there was this one time I was – I had I had a lot of meetings. So I was in the car for, for the whole day being stuck in traffic. And at that point I was like, Oh, I cannot be in the car. And I thought I had my apartment keys with me so that after my last meeting, I can just ask the driver to drop me off in my apartment. But apparently I didn't have my apartment keys. I left my apartment keys in the office. So I had to go back to the office and the driver was like, do you want me to wait for you so I can drive you back to the apartment? I said, no, 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 I have my bike here. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to bring my, my bike back home. And he said, oh, but it's almost nine. No, 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 it's okay. It's 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 Friday. It's you know, A lot of people are still out anyway. Yeah, but maybe a lot of people are drinking and maybe they're drunk. No, 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 it's fine. So I was a bit scared, but it wasn't that scary. And I remember you did it? I didn't have – okay, you shouldn't do this, okay? I'm not – I'm not campaigning for people to do this, but I didn't have my helmet at that day. So I was biking without my helmet and it was very cold because it, you know, it was pretty late. So I was wearing my jumper and I put my hoodie up, but because of the wind, the hood came off all the time. Right. So I had to put it up and then I tied it. So it, so it fits my head. So the wind doesn't put it off. And it was. So you say you might've looked a bit dangerous. I look like ET more, more, 
something dangerous. <laughs> and I remember the road was empty. I was the only one driving, but at the end of the at the lane, there was a traffic light, and I saw another person was there. I was like, oh, great. There's another person on the bike. Great. I'm not alone. I, I feel safe now. <laughs> I used my the lamp on my bike, right? And I guess he saw that light, so he was checking who would be behind him, right? Because he saw the light from my bike. As he turned his head, he saw this ET-like creature on a bike. <laughs> and then he just screams. He was screaming and he fell from the bike. And I was like, oh, and I was like, oh my God, are you okay? I, I couldn't even say things in Spanish. I was so surprised that he was screaming at me and he fell from the bike. So I said it in English. I was like, are you okay? Oh my God, are you okay? And then he said it in English. like, oh my God, I thought you were a ghost because you look so weird. I was like, great. Thank you. Thank you for pointing out that I look weird in my ED-like jumper. Well, exactly. That's one way to go around the city at night yeah. and dress up like ET. We ended up biking next to each other and we, we start making small talks about, he said that I was so afraid because the road was empty. I was like, I was so afraid too. And I was glad that I saw you at the end of the of the lane. And But then you turn your head and you scream. So I was like, what's going on? So it's, it's pretty funny. It, the thing is, it would be something that I would have done back home, talking to strangers on a bike. But I did that here. So that's why I said it's bittersweet because there's a lot of things that I didn't I would never do had I been in Jakarta. But I do it here making talk. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you can take take uh, positive yeah. things from it. Uh, yeah. Anyway, that's, yeah, that's the most important thing. But just to finish, do you think you'll um, you'll come back to this part of the world? If you asked me this visit. question before COVID, I would say I would be more than happy to never have to return here again. Okay. But if, as you as you went into a different stage of life, you put your life into perspective, and I consider moving back to my home country as, as a new stage of my life. So I start looking back and seeing in a different perspective of, of living in Colombia, and I think I would want to return here at least once before I'm very, very old because the travel is very far. But I really want to come back here and I, I want to bring my parents because they would be pretty stoked about seeing this country. Kind of some, some unfinished business then that the coronavirus has managed to, to prevent you from doing? Mm, yes. <laughs> I don't, yeah, okay. I don't well, yeah. <laughs> That's what I yes, figured. This is one of the things that I'm really, really bummed about. But then again, to put it into words, that's going to sound very annoying because it's not it's not what people would consider important, but it was important for me. But I can't do that because of the COVID. And seeing that we, we I'm not entirely sure that by the time I have to leave Colombia, COVID would be, you know, getting alleviated. I probably would have this one particular unfinished business in Colombia. Which is what? Getting a tattoo. Oh, really? <laughs> no, because okay. the thing is, um, Go on. living in Colombia has, has changed a lot of my perspective in life. I, um, I was diagnosed with depression here in Colombia. And okay. 2019 was one of my worst year because I was undiagnosed at that time and I didn't know what was going on with me. So I wanted to have that as a as a memento of, of my life in Colombia. But because of the COVID, I can't do that. So that's wow. a big bummer. But like I said, it's not important, but it was important for me because it was really relieving to, to be able to be diagnosed you know, after years of not knowing what's going on with you and having such a rough year of 2019 of not not knowing what's going on and eventually you get diagnosed and get and you got treated for it. It was such a blessing for me. And I wanted to have that as a wow. reminder. OK, yeah. So, yeah, the, the tattoo would be uh, like this permanent symbol, yes. I guess. That... But alas, it's not going to happen. <laughs> They're, they're definitely not open, no, because a lot of businesses. Yes, exactly. Okay. Yeah. The thing is, I've, I've been in contact with the with the artist. He's been making several designs, but then the, the quarantine happened, so we can't make that into fruition yet. Okay. Well, maybe there might be a small window of opportunity before. before maybe. Can... Let's hope so. Yeah. Let's hope so. <laughs> uh, can you tell us what, what, what you're going to get? I don't know what's that word in English. It's that... Um, 
Oh. Oxford coma, I think. The Oxford coma, okay. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not 100% sure myself. I'd have to see it now. The, no, because because the thing is, um, that particular symbol, you know that dot and the coma? I don't know what's that in English. What is that called? Oh, the semicolon. Sorry, the dot oh, and the coma, the yeah. Uh -huh. it's yeah. Because that 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 particular symbol is being used as as, as a campaign to for people with depression because... It means, you know, when, when whenever you write a sentence and you put a semicolon, the sentence, it does not necessarily end, right? Yeah, of course, That's yeah. Meaning when you have depression and, and you're still alive, you don't consider suicide, that means you're putting a semicolon in your life. So that okay, was the well. idea. Okay, well, no, uh, fingers crossed uh, yeah. you know, that, that you can get that done. Yeah. Or if not, then it's it's a reason maybe to come back uh, in in the future, maybe. Exactly, that's what yeah. I said. Maybe it could be my unfinished yeah, exactly. business. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Look, Adila, uh, fascinating chat. Uh, we covered a lot of bases there, some that I, I didn't yeah. expect us to cover. Uh, we could probably talk for another hour as well, but I, I have another meeting. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I'll have to have to get moving here. But, um, no, but thank I, you very much for having me. I'm so honoured. I mean, seeing your previous guesses and I'm part of those guests. I'm so honored. I can now say that I've been in a podcast that has Kate Nash in it too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> of course, uh, Kate Nash was 100% positive about um, uh, Bogota, so she might she might want to listen to your take on it as well. Okay, I'll have to, I would uh, love to have a chance for her to, to listen to this podcast if she finds it interesting anyway well, hope, hopefully she does that's the point that's the point Adila that she does I'll send it on to her and see what she says if she does okay, have great. the time thank to listen thank you very much thank of you course. for having me no a, an absolute pleasure Adila Chianis I pronounced that correctly yes, yes. correct uh, the second secretary uh, at the Indonesian embassy here in Bogota thank you very much for joining us uh, if you do want to make contact with me you can uh, via the Twitter handle that's Corrigan or via my Facebook page Wrong Way Corrigan blog. But until the next time, ciao, ciao.